1: Different from the rest of the non Muslims, from the rest of those human beings who live their lives as animals, bending any rule to fulfill any desire. In this respect, the Quran describes the atheists as cattle, as cattle, as those who go into craft.
0: That voice, a little bit hard to hear, uh, is an individual who is calling those who aren't Muslim non human and calling atheists cattle. Humans that are animals, in his estimation, because they're Jews, Christians, or atheists. That man, shockingly, or I guess maybe not shockingly, is a show host on MSNBC. His name is Mehdi Hassan. How did the ideology that sees other human beings as non-human so permeate the world that it isn't just subscribed to by jihadi organizations like Hamas or Al-Qaeda or ISIS, but that quote-unquote American media personalities actually subscribe to it today. Let's unpack the deep story behind the events of the last two weeks in the Middle East with somebody who I think it's hard to argue he's probably the most educated man on the topic the most credentialed, so much so he ended up as ambassador for the coordination of counterterrorism messaging in the U.S. government. I count him as a personal friend. Alberto Fernandez, welcome to America First.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on with you. So let's, let's
0: start backwards for a second, if we will. Um, what we're seeing occur in the Middle East Or even around the western world we saw what happened outside our embassies last week and so forth on the streets of Belgium uh, in Paris with that that teacher being stabbed to death this isn't just a phenomena of far away desert lands is it? If we look at the ideology we have to understand for the last what 100 years since the birth of the Muslim Brotherhood in what 1924 this is a truly international phenomenon is it not?
2: Yes, uh, political Islam uh, and its various iterations, what we call Islamism, jihadism, Salafi jihadism, um, you know, are modern phenomenon. Um, there's, there's something that annoys me when people talk about political Islam or these crazies you see in these videos and stuff like that. They think it's like the ideology of 7th century Arabia. That's actually not quite true. This is a, a modern Uh, interpretation of what they think the Islam of the 7th century uh, AD was. So it's a very modern thing. And what's happening.
0: And and it's modern because these people say we lost what Islam was. Yes. And we need to recreate what it looked like under Muhammad with, you know, the the riding across the hijaz, the the wars against the infidel. It's their attempt to recapture what they deem to be the seventh century.
2: Yeah, and they recreate this kind of um, um, embroidered uh, or mythical version of the past. Um, You know, and so that's what you need to follow. Um, And of course, what's happened is this ideology, which is very much a 20th century or late 19th, 20th century ideology, has been married with our globalized world with the technological world. Right.
0: So let's jump straight to that, because you are the vice president of an incredible organization. I use it all the time when I was teaching our military uh, how to understand groups like al-Qaeda and ISIS. It's the Middle East Media Research Institute, memory.org, M-E-M-R-I, memory.org. How important is the fact that the Muslim Brotherhood back in the 20s and 30s didn't have twitter didn't have youtube didn't have telegram that the the people who believe in modern jihad have more tools in their pockets when it comes to digital media exploitation than is imaginable for those who started this ideology
2: yes i mean they've they've been um early adopters there's a uh, There's um, uh, a friend of mine in the region who calls them. He says they practice a a dark creativity, Mm. which means they're terrorist groups or extremist groups. They look about how can they use the latest tech uh, in their way. And you saw that. You saw that with the rise of Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, people forget this. It's kind of crazy. We we look at it now. Al-Qaeda in the 1990s first tried to establish a news agency in London. yes. That's where they first kind of thought they would start.
0: And in fact, his bin Laden's first declaration of war against the West in America came from that news agency in London.
2: Yeah, yeah, which it never really got off the ground, but they had that idea. Yeah. Because what had happened, of course, we'd already, in, that, in, the, in the 80s and 90s, we'd seen this thing where Arab regimes would repress these extremists and they would go to the West. And the West, they were freer, and then they would start off propagandizing, et cetera, and all that stuff. And so that was al-Qaeda. If you go a few years later and you have the rise of ISIS of the Islamic State, 2013, 2014, these were guys on Twitter with 10, 20, 50,000 followers. They would post snuff videos. Like
0: Jihadi John.
2: Exactly, all of these guys. And it was only in late 2014, I was still in the government, it was only in late 2014 that social media companies embarrassed by uh, the reaction. And uh, this month is the 50th anniversary of uh, of the birth of James Foley, the American journalist who was beheaded and killed by, uh, by the Islamic State. And so they, um, you know, they learned how to use the technology against us. And that's why you had all these bizarre phenomenon of not just them radicalizing people, say, in Tunisia or wherever, but People in their bedroom in the United States or in... Jihadi
0: Jain in Pennsylvania.
2: All these people kind of being virtually radicalized.
0: And what do they believe? Let's do like, you know, the 101. What do these groups, whether it's Sunni groups or Shia groups, what do they think about other Muslims who live in... Western nations, what do they think about Muslim states that aren't fundamental? So the difference between Jordan and let's say an Iran or Saudi Arabia and ambassador, what do they think about Christians and Jews?
2: Well, that's that's a big question. Yeah. Because <clears throat> there are different groups and there are different iterations, right? There're different nuances. They are all, if you talk about al-Qaeda, ISIS, if you talk about Iran, they're all Islamic supremacist groups, so they believe in the supremacy of Islam against others, against the other, the non-Muslim. Um, but they all believe in the supremacy of their type Adversi. of Islam. Adversi. So you have this bizarre situation. I mean, we, you know, we we can say and we should say that they look down on Christians, they look down on Jews, they look down on non-Muslims. That's certainly true. But the bizarre thing, for example, if you talk about the salafi jihadist groups al-qaeda isis is that they regard the majority of muslims as not really muslim
0: because they don't agree with their fundamentalist version so if you're you know living in jordan or you're living in another muslim arab state and your daughter goes to school doesn't wear a hijab you're as much of a problem to the salafists than a heathen, a Christian, or a Jew. Or you might be even worse because you're a Muslim who should know how to live.
2: Exactly. It's called the nullifiers of Islam. If you don't follow this way, for example, if you don't hate Christians and Jews, not be like um, ambivalent about them. If you don't actively, this is uh, Wahhabism and this is Salafi Jihadism. If you don't actively hate Christians and Jews... Therefore, your Islam has been nullified, and you're not really a Muslim.
0: You can't be a bystander in jihad, right? You have to be active against the infidel.
2: Yes, you're either with us or against us. Now, there are very many iterations. So, for example, there are Salafis in the Middle East and in the West who have extreme views, who don't believe in in jihadism. They're they're called quietist Salafis, and they're extreme, but, you know, they're extreme in the way, say, uh, an extreme Christian or Jew or whatever would say, you're a bad person, you're going to hell, whatever. But they're not going to kill you. They're not going to like, do anything Like
0: Chowdhury in the UK. They, they preach that you yeah. should die, but they don't kill
2: anybody. Exactly. So there is a type of kind of quietist Salafism as well. But each of them believes in kind of, a, you know, a divine duty to to rule the world to conquer the world uh... in some way shape or form
0: until Uh, until islam is supreme that's where the supremacy
2: exactly now each of them as i said have their different versions of what that means
0: we'll dig a little bit deeper of what it means for israel and the immediate vicinity our guest is our ambassador alberto fernandez of the middle east media research institute i'm sebastian Gorka. this is america first if you value These long-form, deep-dive discussions with true experts like the ambassador, real newsmakers. Make sure you are subscribed on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Just plug in Sebastian Gawker America first. Leave us a five-star review and do share the links with your friends so the message gets out there threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation the vets at midas gold group see tyrannical implications the end of cash the end of financial privacy? Big government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency. Gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653. MidasGoldGroup.com.
3: We've seen... The, the worst of humanity on display, Howie, really. Right. The worst that could be done to humans was done to these Israeli civilians, women, children, people who were peaceful people slaughtered in their own homes. We watched as bodies were piled into the back of a pickup truck outside the Sturot police station. The very minutes after this took place, as the attack was unfolding, we were the first crew down here in southern Israel at an evacuation point And we watched as mothers pulled their children out of the backs of their personal cars, trying to push them into waiting ambulances and get them any sort of help they could receive.
0: That is, of course, Trey Yinkst, war correspondent for Fox in the region, talking about families being slaughtered in their homes. God bless Israel. God bless the souls of those who were murdered. And give their loved ones strength. If you feel helpless sitting at home, may I be of assistance to you. If you want to make a difference, Salem has partnered, since we heard the news almost immediately, with the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews to get aid to those who are suffering. If you want to help from the safety of your home, please go right now to my website, sebgorka.com, and click on the Israel at War banner at the top. Make a donation today, or call the Fellowship on eight hundred two four one seven 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 one. That number again, eight hundred two four one seven 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 one. Or the easiest is just go to s e b g o r k a sebgorka dot com and the Israel at War banner at the top. God bless every single one of you for helping to bring f- to bring aid and succor to those most in distress. Uh, Ambassador, can you give us – can you put the events of the last two weeks into historic perspective? So as a child of the Cold War, it's easy to get kind of inured to the terrorist threat. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was PLO, it was hijackings, it was hostage takings. Then we get to 9-11, the shock horror of 3,000 murdered in one morning in New York, in Washington, in Pennsylvania – Um, So there's a kind of constant drumbeat of Salafi jihadist violence here in America, in the Middle East, across the globe. But what we witnessed on Saturday two weeks ago is different, is it not, in terms of the scale and the coordination Of the attack. So many incidents across Israel at the same time. Talk to us about how qualitatively different this incident of terror was.
2: Well, this incident, I mean, yes, you can go back, you know, decades, you can go back 120 years when terrorists in the West were actually Eastern European. They weren't Muslim at all. You know, anarchists and uh, communists at the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. But, you have to go back for this, for the Hamas attack. It really is born of a vision that Iran has of its place in the world, its hegemony in the world and marrying its um, worldview with the cause of Palestine. As you mentioned, you know the cause of Palestine has had various iterations. If we talk about 50 years ago, the, the popular guys in the cause of Palestine 50 years ago were Che Guevara, were communists. Political
0: were, revolutionaries.
2: Yes, they were They were not Islamic, Islamist, Islamic at all. They had more to do with the the, the leftists of the ni- 1968 revolts in Western Europe, in France, and, you know, Bader Meinhof gang, of course, went and were trained... With the the PLO. PLO.
0: But Uh, Yasser Arafat is not bin Laden. No, no. These are political actors who are fighting for, quote-unquote, self-determination, not for global caliphate.
2: That's right. They're nationalists. They're largely secular nationalists. They use the language of Islam because it's a popular thing to do. But they're, you know, they're similar to, you know, people in third-world countries that fought... Sometimes they were communists, sometimes they were leftists, sometimes they were okay, so-so, sometimes they were mass-murdering maniacs, you know? So that's the kind of the the national liberation hat, you could say, of uh, the Palestinian movement. But Hamas is different. Hamas is an Islamist movement. It comes out of the Muslim Brotherhood. Ironically, its roots are actually not with Israel at all. It starts... In, in the early uh, 60s, what becomes Hamas later on, in Egypt ruled Gaza when it was still under the Egyptians. We forget that, you know, Egypt ruled Gaza from 1948 to 1967, like Jordan ruled the West Bank.
0: Before that, it was a British mandate. Yes,
2: but they, you know, almost 20 years, and of course neither, neither Jordan nor Egypt went around and established a Palestinian state. But the Egyptians strange, how strange that is. Isn't kind it? of odd is it would it have been just the time to do it. Right. And by the way, that's, that also included East Jerusalem. Yes. also. So they held that, they lost it. They never established a Palestinian state uh, in doing that. But uh, so it begins under Egyptian-ruled Gaza. The Egyptians gave a little space to Islamists. Later on they would crush you know, the Nasser regime, and others would crush the Islamists. But that's where it starts. Um, and so it's a kind of a, an Islamic, a religious-based version of what Arafat was doing. Arafat's the secular nationalist. These guys, Islam is the answer and stuff like that. So that's where it starts. Uh, but over time, it hooks up with Iran's regional agenda in the, in the, in the Middle East, which is about its supremacy over Arab states and its supremacy over Israel. And Hamas... Let's stop
0: stop there for a second because this is important. Iran as a Persian theocracy, as a um, Shiite uh, theocracy, their domination over Arab Sunni states.
2: Yes. Uh, You know, for, for Iran... The flag of Palestine is the, you know, kind of get out of jail free or the, the you know, good housekeeping seal of approval for everything they do. Uh, people joked, I remember Syrian opposition guys joked when, uh, when uh, Putin and Iran and Assad were bombing the hell. I don't know if you can say hell. You can. Yeah, they were bombing the hell out of the northern Syrian city of Aleppo. They claimed that this was somehow in the cause of the liberation of Palestine.
0: (laughs) Bombing a Syrian city is is. in the interest of liberating Palestine.
2: Yes. There's also the famous old story, which is, is true in the 1970s, when Palestinians joined up with leftists in Lebanon to fight the Christians of Lebanon. The famous line they had was that the road to Palestine goes through the city of Juni, which was the Christian capital uh, that the Lebanese forces and Bashir Jamayo had. So again, they're kind of very flexible about where the enemy is and what they're going to do. So Iran uh, uses this thing as a kind of... Ideological fuel for its effort to dominate the region.
0: Very, very opportunistic. We're talking to Ambassador Alberto Fernandez, a former coordinator for counterterrorism communications in the US government. Follow him on Twitter at Alberto Miguel F5. And the website is memory.org. That's memr O-R-G On this MyPillows 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a queen size my pillow for just $19.98 regular price $69.98 and just $10 more for a king size you will receive deep discounts on all my pillow products such as bed sheets mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square and use promo code Gawker to receive this amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for $19.98 or call 800-829-847 This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A, or call 800-829-8468 today. MyPillow.com, code Gorka. Now, we could write a PhD on this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because it should be asked. We have a Shia nation of Persians in Iran that is helping, arming, and training a Sunni terrorist group called Hamas. Can you just, in a couple of sentences, explain the difference between these two versions of Islam, and are these just um, strange bedfellows who eventually will want to dominate each other, if we look at Sunni and Shia?
2: Well, if you talk about Sunni and Shia, there's a long history, and it goes back to the early... The, the first decades of Islam, and it's, it's complicated, but I'm, I'm trying to make it as kind of neat as possible. For Sunni Muslims, which is the majority of Muslims, about 80% of Muslims are Sunni Muslims, very many different types of yeah. Sunni Muslims, but overwhelmingly. Um, government or leadership is based on the best man for the job. For the Shia, the Shia are the party of Ali, Shi'at Ali, who believe in kind of the hereditary descendants from the family of the prophet, that those people are endowed with special blessings, special insights.
0: So it's more dynastic.
2: Yes, and that they're to be followed and they're to be emulated. And of course in Shia Islam there's also a tradition which exists there's a, something similar to that in Sunni Islam. But the Shia there's idea of the end times and the the false prophet, a false Christ that will come at the end of the world.
0: So a more apocalyptic vision. Yes
2: and with the Shia, you know they believe that the there's this Th- this Imam, which will return at the end, the of hidden
0: the time. Imam yes. will reappear. An yes. Imam who disappeared magically yes. and will occlude will come back.
2: Yes, he was he was in occultation since the ninth century, and he will come back. This is part of the end times. As I said, Sunnis. Have their own version of the end times, it does include the hidden imam. But uh, so that's a, a basis for it.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's the best <laughs> summation I've heard in three minutes ever. And eventually, can they coexist or are they supremacist towards each other?
2: Well, it depends. I mean, obviously, there are many occasions where Sunni and Shia get along. I know people that the wife is Shia, the husband is Sunni. I mean, people are normal in most cases. However, The ideology that rules Iran, the so-called wilayat al-faqih, the rule of the jurisprudence, believe that their type of Shia Islam and their type of political Islam should rule and should rule over Sunnis as well. And they encourage the conversion of Sunnis to Shia Islam. Now, Hamas is a special case because Hamas is, I mean, there are no Shia Palestinians. So if, if, if Iran wants to play in the Palestinian pond, it has to make alliances with Sunni Muslims. It's just, for example, Hamas is also, I mean, excuse me, Iran is also the address of where the remnants of Al-Qaeda are to this day, the leadership of Al-Qaeda. Another
0: Sunni terrorist organization.
2: Exactly. Now, would they prefer that you know Saif al-Adal and the remnants of Al-Qaeda were Shia? Probably. But but they're looking at realpolitik. These are tools for them to use. Al Qaeda in in Tehran is a tool for them to use. Hamas is, is part of this network which they have of militias and terrorist groups encircling Israel from the north, east and south. You know, you have Hezbollah in the north, you have militias and the Syrian government in Syria, and you have Iraqi militias flowing into Syria and into Lebanon, and then the south you have Hamas. And ideally what Iran would like to see, of course, is Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad in the West Bank as well. So Israel would be surrounded... The, uh, with its back to the sea
0: these are all their proxies these way for them to influence the region through violence without the nation of iran having to go to war we're talking to our, our, our ambassador alberto fernandez vice president of the middle east media research institute uh, please follow them at memory.org that's memr o r g, and the ambassador at alberto miguel f5 on twitter
4: When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. Rediscover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at salemnow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at salemnow.com. And what we said is we want to depressurize, de-escalate, and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. The war in Yemen is in its 19-month of truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable, I emphasize for now, because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades.
0: That is unbelievably uh, the Biden administration's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who a month ago said, yes, Middle East, it's fine. It's been, you know, settled and uh, so stable for the longest time in decades. These are the people who are running the U.S. government. I I use that uh, clip, Mr. Ambassador, to. To ask you a question that really is apolitical, because when I was in the Defense Department, you served in the U.S. military as well before you became ambassador. The biggest problem we have in many cases is knowing the enemy. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this case, we have administration, we have a political mm, coterie that doesn't believe in the influence of religion, doesn't understand the influence of ideology, doesn't like to use the word evil. I saw this so much under the Obama administration. But even under other presidencies, there was a a distinct paucity of understanding who these people are and what they believe now memory has done amazing work we have the the b-roll of a a video of from memory that went absolutely viral last week i think you've got five million views of an individual from hamas taking responsibility for the attack if you haven't seen it go to memory.org watch the video with the translation how how big a problem is it across administrations, within government, within the intelligence community, that we don't do what memory does enough of, which is to listen to what the bad guy says? I think it was Simon Wiesenthal who said that with regards to the holocaust and the nazis when a group of people repeatedly says they want to kill you sooner or later you should pay attention to them isn't this one of our biggest weaknesses
2: yes when somebody says death to america it's not uh, symbolic or metaphorical they actually mean it right. and of course there's always death to america death to israel, israel. death to the jews etc so uh, we should we should respect them um you know it, we in the West have a problem. Um, we, we we think people want to be like us. Yes. We think people are like us.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
4: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: And When somebody says to you, I was in Afghanistan in 06, when you hear members of the military well-meaning saying, well, that tribal leader, that Hazard or that Uzbek says he wants to be my friend. And then I'm the cynical civilian who says... You know, he might not mean that. He might be lying. We just expect good faith from the other far too often, don't we?
2: Yes. I mean, I know in the region some people like that about the American character. (laughs) I've heard people say, we like Americans. You're very direct. You're very open. You're very welcoming.
0: Trusting. Trusting. Very
2: trusting. That all sounds great. And, you know, indeed, those are not bad qualities. But um, you're being played. Yeah. And by the way, it's not just Middle Easterners. It's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it, 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 it's a, a way of seeing the world that exists in, in uh, older cultures, that exists in countries where there's a civilization which has endured. Uh, in societies, by the way, also, you know this and I know this, in countries that have been under dictatorial rule where you learn to say one thing and yeah. mean something else. You know, Hungary, Cuba, it's that type of thing. People survive by saying what they need to say. It doesn't mean they're... To survive. Yes. And then uh, here comes an American diplomat and sits down with a communist bureaucrat or an Islamist and kind of gives the most positive spin to what they're saying. They don't really mean that. You know, memory was founded... Uh, our boss says this thing and and, and I think it 's true that the, the 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 origin of memory was the idea that there was a difference between what people what leaders what you know head talking heads were saying in Arabic. And in what they were saying in English.
0: Well, Arafat was famous for this, wasn't he? He'd say, peace, 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 peace in English. Yes. And then to his audience in the Middle East, he'd say, you know, let's fight these bastards.
2: Yes. He was confronted by Mike Wallace using memory material on 60 Minutes, you know, long, 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 long time ago. Because there's this disconnect. So you say, for example, in English, you say, we want peace and all of this. And in in Arabic, you'll say something like we want to drive them out or eliminate them or whatever, or kill the Jews, you know, sometimes translations will be like kill the Israelis, but the language actually will be kill the Jews, you know, so there's a kind of change in the, the language which is used. So yes, there is a kind of disconnect that we have with the rest of the world. Also Americans, even though even Americans who may be religious, there tends to be a kind of playing down the importance of faith. And not just religious faith. We're a cynical people in some ways. You know, we're superficial in some ways. The idea of being, except we're seeing it now on university campuses, the idea of being a revolutionary, the idea that for the sake of your religious faith or your ideological faith, you're willing to risk everything
0: or, or just the idea that for some political or religious purpose you're prepared to blow yourself up it's very hard to believe in a postmodern secular society isn't it
2: that's right that's right and so we so we we kind of a little lost when we right. hear this extreme discourse because our automatic kind of default mindset is to discount it well yeah. they don't really right. mean that right. they're just they're just frustrated and or
0: to dismiss it as crazy, yes, as illogical when, yeah. when it 's not illogical, it has its own transcendental logic
2: that 's right it 's perfect from their point of view it 's perfectly logical
0: right. uh, if it's, you it's, think you 're going to heaven, if you think you 're going to guarantee the salvation of your dearest ones, your loved ones by blowing yourself up uh, as you kill Jews or Christians, why would that be illogical if you believe it
2: yeah, and especially if you believe, for example that We're the good guys, (laughs) and you're the bad guys. Uh,
0: That is why the work of the ambassador and his colleagues at Memory is so incredibly valuable. I can tell you that because I've used it to train the U.S. military. Police, uh, federal law enforcement, intelligence community, uh, just go today. Educate yourself. You can read my book for a little pricey of what I did uh, in the uh, government. It's Defeating Jihad. It's basically what I taught the Green Berets for almost 20 years. It's available at SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A-Store.com. That's Defeating Jihad. That's my first book that propelled me to the White House. And the ambassador is at memory.org. That's M I M R I dot O R G. It was exhilarating.
2: It was exhilarating. It was energizing. And if they weren't
0: exhilarating,
2: then By this challenge to the monopoly of violence,
3: by this shifting of the balance of power, then they wouldn't have to do
4: it. I am exhilarating. Absolutely.
0: To your point, Ambassador, that uh, this is everywhere. It's on campuses in America. Last week, that was a professor from Cornell University saying witnessing the attacks on Israelis, on women, on children, on families was exciting and, quote, exhilarating. Lest you think we're talking hyperbolically, no, it is actually witnessable through your own eyes. Last question, and we could continue for hours. I learned so much. It's so invaluable to our millions of listeners. And thank you ambassador for your continued service uh, to america can this war end can there be stability in this part of the world without dealing with iran
2: um no Uh, iran is the main factor of instability in the region today in the middle east today there are many others and there there are injustices and there are problems that are not iran's doing but the single largest uh, source of instability, of extremism, the so-called axis of resistance, which is an axis of terrorism, axis of revolution, is the Islamic Republic of Iran. So that regime has to go. Now, it doesn't mean we need to have a war, we need to go and do it, but the best of all worlds would be the liberation of the Iranian people by the Iranians themselves. Absolutely. Overthrowing the mullahs and establishing a post post uh, post mullah regime, yeah,
0: an ancient, ancient Persian civilization,
2: proud and a great civilization.
0: Is it any accident that what we're witnessing now did
2: not occur under President Trump's four years? I think that they were um, they were clear about President Trump. They were afraid of him. Yeah. Um, you may remember when um, this, this happened in late 2019, early 2020. Um, the um, uh, iranian militias uh, killed an american at a camp in iraq we responded by airstrikes they responded by attacking the u.s embassy in baghdad and we took out suleimani and uh, al mohandes
0: suleimani uh, who was the commander for iran in terms of proxies and operations across that he
2: was the puppet master who created this spider web of terrorist militias and by the way according to some he was also an, an originator of the strategy that hamas used in on october 7th
0: when america's enemies are afraid we are all safer When I was in the White House, I borrowed a phrase from the Marine Corps to describe what we were doing under President Trump's leadership. America, no better friend, no worse enemy. And to quote a certain former senator from Illinois, elections have consequences. I'm Sebastian Gorka. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay frosty.
4: is America first with Sebastian Gorka
1: a vote for Crooked Joe is a vote to turn the United States into a hotbed of jihadists and make our cities into dumping grounds very much resembling the Gaza Strip. Have you been to the Gaza Strip? A vote for President Trump is a vote to secure the border and it's a vote to keep radical Islamic terrorists the hell out of our country. On day one, I will immediately restore and expand the Trump travel ban. Remember when they said, oh, that's so vicious, but it kept us safe. And it passed in the Supreme Court of the United States. They sued me in every different court, you wouldn't believe it. But on entry from terror plague countries and halt all of the refugee settlements to the United States, they want to come in, they want to bring the same people that are shooting rockets at Israel, they want to come into the United States. I don't think a lot of good things are going to happen. And I will implement strong ideological screening of all immigrants. If you hate America, if you want to abolish Israel, if you don't like our religion, which a lot of them don't, if you sympathize with jihadists, then we don't want you in our country and you are not getting in. Right? Right?
0: It was the beginning of my White House career, having to uh, roll out the reasons, the justification for the travel ban from seven states that could not tell us who was coming to America from their territory and whether they were terrorists or not. (laughs) Seems like such a long time ago today. Welcome, dear friends. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. We have an amazing three hours for you today. You don't want to miss a second of the show. Uh, We're going to connect the dots, we're going to reprise something that you may have missed from last week when we had some transmitter errors, uh, a little technical difficulty, it was a letter I wrote to my family. We'll talk about that and how to keep your family safe uh, later this hour, but first, why is your family in danger? It's happening out in the Middle East, right? The war has nothing to do with us, really. Well, to answer that question, you need to listen to Natalie Sandandjali, who survived the attack in Israel and was returning to New York. Is she happy to return to New York as a survivor of the assault on the people of Israel? Let's listen to her. Cut two.
1: As if it wasn't enough to have to go through that attack in Israel, to come back to New York, that's been my home my entire life, and to see all these protests and to see people calling for the genocide of the Jews, and to see so many misinformed people in the streets thinking that Hamas is for the Palestinian people, Hamas's agendas to free Palestine, it makes me sad and honestly a little scared.
0: Could you imagine being that woman? Could you imagine being Natalie Sanandat Jaji, survived the terrorist attack on Israel? And now she has to return home to New York, where people openly on the streets are calling for the genocide of the Jews? Is this just a one-off? What does it matter to you if you're not Jewish? Well, this video appeared on my feed yesterday. It's from an organization I'm not familiar with. It's called Campus Camera. And it's a film of two young girls at Boston University on the campus. What are they doing? They're pulling down posters with the photographs of the children who are still in captivity. The Israeli toddlers, young kids were Taken hostage by jihadis who, in many cases, had slaughtered their parents and their grandparents. Listen to the whole video because what she says halfway through well, it's shocking. Play cut.
3: Are you defending terrorism? Really, you guys really are defending terrorism? Fucking cowards should be ashamed of yourself. Should be ashamed of yourself. These people are killing innocent civilians. They killed friends of ours. Families, people here are affected directly, and you guys are denying it, taking them out, spreading hate, encouraging anti-semitism.
1: Dude, you
3: literally know I'm Jewish. Like, I've been. That's not really That makes it much
1: better. No, but I'm saying, like, you have no right to tell people that their beliefs are wrong or that it's not a supporting... belief
3: that someone getting you, kidnapped, that baby's this? getting beheaded, that 85-year-old grandmother's getting kidnapped. It's, it, 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 it's it's wrong. That's not a belief. That's not an opinion. And if it is, of course, I don't respect it.
1: Why are you filming? Because. What's your point?
3: What? To, to show where the of the hate is coming from in this campus. Most Jewish students don't feel safe because a lot of other students are, are, are doing it and the worst place is that there's Jewish students like you, unfortunately, who, like, encourage them to continue doing this and they get validated by it. You don't
1: know what... Look, you are reading into propaganda. Know. Sure. Yeah. Tell
3: hmm? me, tell me. You're tell
1: supporting me. occupation. An illegal occupation Did you read that's been posture? happening for 75 years. It's about
3: Hamas and, 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 and the and the atrocities and all of the workers they're committing. It's not about anything else. You're not condemning terrorists?
0: What is she pulling down off the wall? Let's put an image up of the children. These are the children who are still being held hostage by the murderous jihadis of Hamas. Look at them. Some of them are tiny. And just one of them is dead already, the the autistic girl with curly hair I've, I've... Her body and her grandmother's body has been retrieved. She's already been murdered. I saw that. Posters of these beautiful children are being taken down because she says, Israel occupied Palestine 75 years ago. Excuse me? Israel was a nation thousands of years ago. If anybody occupied anybody, it was the Arabs. But even so, who cares? Who occupied who? Posters? Posters? Of children who have been taken hostage by jihadis who murdered their parents, slaughtered over 1,400 people, and you're taking it down because what? It's my belief. Stop for a second, dear friends, and ask yourself this question. It's the only question that matters. If a human being here in America can do that, can justify that action when it comes to Innocent infants, what do you think they can justify doing to you if you politically disagree with them? If you hold the wrong religious or political beliefs? This is getting to a point at which millions of people have become so amoral, not immoral, they are without any moral compass, that they can justify anything, even the denial of the rights to life of children. Forget the unborn in the womb, little children. If they can justify that, what can they justify doing to you? Think about it. How do you keep your family safe? We will discuss that later uh, in this hour. Make sure you never miss anything we have to provide for you. We have an amazing jihadi expert for the third hour today. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. It costs you nothing. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. And I'm very excited. I've been waiting weeks for this. Uh, I don't get the merch as quickly as you guys do. If you stand with President Trump, if you've had it with political persecution in America, what have we done? We've put his booking photograph from atlanta on a yard sign with a very simple message trump 2024 you put it on a t-shirt put it on a mug can't make them fast enough thank you randy for bringing us in studio get yours today seb GorkaStore.com. that's s-e-b-g-o-r-k-a store.com and please more important than anything support him directly at donaldjtrump.com that's donaldjtrump.com this is america first stay on this channel